This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. You have a lot of untapped political potential. If you if you could figure out how to tap it, how to organize it, how to and you would normally expect the union to do that. But if for some reason the union's not, you still have that political potential. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! This is Evelyn Lopez. We are going to do another fun thing today. Um, just like last time we did a mix it up with Nerd Farmer. Right now, Crossing Division is going to mix it up with the interchangeable white ladies. We'd like to call this the interchangeable white ladies crossing. Oh my gosh, you guys, this sounds like <laughs> a really, really bad, poorly illustrated, like 1980s video game. Oh, <laughs> you're right. With little white ladies crossing the street. Crossing the street with walkers. <laughs> and maybe there's yeah, a frog and like there. lattes, of course. And yeah. lattes. Oh, that would be. Yeah. Actually, that does not sound half bad right Lots now. Lots of like infinity scarves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're super excited um, to partner with you on this episode and to talk about something that's driving everybody in Tacoma crazy. Yes. So my first caveat, I don't have children and so I only get the most kind of superficial sense of what is going on in the schools, but I'm super interested, one, because it's pretty interesting, two, because I really feel strongly that the strength of our city is in part based on the strength of our schools. You know, that's mm -hmm. what attracts mm -hmm. people to come. One of the things that attracts people to come live in Tacoma is that our schools are really good. They're quite beautiful. Um, and so anything that sort of mixes it up with the schools and with teachers, I view with some concern. And one of the things that's been popping up on social media this last week is something about this new schedule. And as best I can figure it out, and I need you guys to explain it, it's a proposal or maybe it's a done deal for the Tacoma schools to come partially back into in-person teaching by February 8th. And it looks like like half the time classes would be in person in the afternoon, half the time they would be remote. It's a comp I've looked at the schedule of the visual, the schedule, I can make no sense of it. Um, so nor can what's, we what's going on. So all very good questions. Um, I wish that I had more answers than I do currently with a week and a half before we are supposed to be theoretically starting this plan. Um, unfortunately, teachers don't even have all of the answers, which I think is a part of the um, immense frustration that you are seeing on social media right now. Um, as it stands right now, and, and to be clear, we haven't even still received any official communication um, as teachers, but it is that we are going to have this hybrid schedule, but still be fully virtual starting February 8th. 
Um, and so the schedule that's floating around is the schedule that students are going to be attending 100% virtually um, for the foreseeable future. Um, because we're we're not even close to middle school or high school going back, as I understand it. I think March 1st being the earliest that they would consider bringing back middle school. Actually, I think it's March 1st being when they would even consider bringing back third through 12th. So like starting with a third grade rollout would be March 1st. So um, that's kind of what's going on from a teacher's perspective. So from my understanding, last week, the pre-K and K were, were rolled in for some in-person instruction. And so there's a big push for that. I see lots of people excited about that. Teachers excited, or at least the pictures look good. Um, parents posting, you know, welcome back first day. But that was all people kind of, we, we I, I feel like there was lots of information about the fact that they were going to try to do that anyway, it come January, probably starting back in the fall. So that didn't feel like it caught very many people by surprise. Am I correct with that, Megan? Or Absolutely. That was communicated before winter break, right? So, I mean, right. and to be fair, it was communicated, I think, the Friday before winter break. So there has been a pattern of not including teachers in the conversation until it has been, the decisions have been made and it feels very last minute and the communication feels very unintentional with teachers. Um, I think that that's, and, and listen, I can only speak for myself and for the teachers that I have spoken to my friends and peers. That's the, that's the hardest part about this is the, the feeling of being disrespected. Um, that this was a communication that came out. It was buried in a Friday night email two weeks before this significant, massive change to yeah. our job, our profession. Um, and we hadn't heard any communication from our union. We hadn't heard any communication from the district except for this link that was buried deep in a Friday night email two weeks before. And yeah, and then I saw it was posted on like the the district social media page. So people were like, "Skirt, what's this?" And it, you know, it was this it's written in a very like it's a done deal kind of tone. Yes. Um Absolutely. even though to, your, to Ellen's question, it it's supposedly not a done deal, but the tone of it is very done deal. Very. Do you guys feel like that's the communication you're getting um at schools? So what I'm seeing in this um in this graph of a schedule, it it looks like and, and I'll tell you, I don't really get the cohort A, the cohort B thing. But what it looks like is that the proposal, I'll call it proposal, even though I agree it looks like this is the schedule, <laughs> is that, you know, the um, there's a morning periods one through three that's all remote. Mm -hmm. Then there's teacher planning time, lunch time. And then, and then there's afternoon periods, one, two, three, half of which are in person. And half are which uh, remote or asynchronous. Um, I mean, to me, that looks like they think that students are going to be back in the classroom. And I agree. I had heard that kindergarten was going to be a couple of days back in the classroom. And that has just started, I think, um, you know, last week or, or so around mm -hmm. like the 19th, I think it did. Um, but this looks like the plan is to have everyone back in the classroom a little bit. And I hadn't heard anything about that or seen anything in the news media. So this, so the schedule is, so as of right now, starting Mar February 8th, this would be the schedule that they attend virtually. So this okay. afternoon schedule that is saying that's going to be in person 
it will be virtual until they roll us back into in-person, which the feeling, right? So they're changing the schedule. And the reasoning that we have heard now that I heard just yesterday evening is because eSchool Plus, which is where we take attendance, um, can only be changed once a semester. And so they- Why are we paying millions of dollars for and yet, a service and, and, and my feeling when I read that was, that, that is that not a good enough Show reason it. to upend thousands of students' lives. Mm -hmm. The fact that eSchool Plus can't be changed once we start semester, that is absolutely, oh, I just hit the mic. I'm sorry if you heard that. Um, <laughs> that is absolutely not a good enough reason to, to change student schedules like this, to be virtual. And, and we're losing ac um, instructional time, not only actual minutes a day that we are losing with students, um, where it's going from 100 minutes to 90 minutes. But what I keep thinking back to, Hope, is the conversation that you and I had um, at the end, I think it was at the end of September, the beginning of October, where we talked about how is it going, right? Like it's the state of affairs. And we discussed that virtual teaching, one, block schedule is not the same as a two 55-minute schedules, right? Teaching, the flow mm -hmm. of teaching is different. Like there are, there's scientific data that shows how students consume data and information. And so just academic flow of having students show up for 30 minutes in the morning virtually, and then an hour in the afternoon, you're going to be cutting continuity of instruction. And then everything takes twice as long virtually. So yeah. something that takes 10 minutes in the classroom is going to take 20 to 25 minutes virtually. And so 30 minutes virtually in the morning, I am having a hard time wrapping my head. As somebody that has been teaching now virtually for months, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around what I can actually accomplish in that amount of time. It, it is a, well, a it, frustrating thing. I, I know one teacher was talking about it on, on Facebook and was kind of like, this is, you know, that's 30 minutes. I guess let's kind of talk through some like pros and cons because you're kind of hitting both of them. But like one thing she was talking about was, you know, is shout out to Arvin. Um, it's useful to do like social emotional check in, like some of those kinds of things that we often don't have time for or we don't make time for, I should say. Um, however, the <laughs> that is amazing. And there's a lot of students who might skip that time or still sleep in because they're like, it's not academic, it's not hurting my, you know, learning, whatever, whatever, or if they're dealing with siblings or, or, or um, that it seems like some of those things that would pull them away actually from that 30 minutes rather than using it in a beneficial way. Absolutely. And you're you're saying actually the total amount of time, because part of what I've read says that, well, look, there's all this contact time with teachers every single day. That's like part of the pitch of why this is so great. You're saying that's actually not the case. There's, is, there's less the time case. with you individually. Yes. Um, is it also like across the kid's schedule? Like if they have a, you know, X, six periods in a, in a, in a day, six courses. I mean, if we're, it's 30 minutes less a day. I mean, which I, in the grand scheme of things, isn't, doesn't sound like a lot, but when you consider that it takes 10 minutes to get class started virtually, getting students in, getting them situated, getting them logged into Nearpod, getting them like all of that takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is, is there a trade-off of like less screen time? Like a lot of times we hear part of the stress on families and students and teachers is that there's too much screen time with the way that a lot of the schools are doing. So is part of I'm trying to read, trying to through a silver lining. Is a silver lining that they have less screen time, so it's going to help everyone's eyes and brains? <laughs> well, sure, right? I think that all of our concern 
was that 100 minutes in class a day was too much. And the reasoning why we were told that we were going into the schedule that we have been in since September, the entire reason why we are in this three classes a day, 100 minutes each, was that it would make transition to hybrid easier because we wouldn't have to change the schedule. That is what was drilled into us from the district when we started this because teachers, to be very clear, did not want the schedule that we currently have, but we made it work because we were told this is what we were going to do. And we were told it was what was best for hybrid. And now we're being told, well, now that we're really thinking about going back to hybrid, we're going to change it again. So is, is so I was confused by this whole thing. I just looked at it and I thought, oh, you're going to go back into the classroom and I have some concerns about this, but that's not what they're doing. But they're doing this so that they can, they think this schedule will be better when eventually they do go back into the classroom? Yes. That's, is that the point? <laughs> that's the point. That is, you just nailed it. It'll make it easier to transition back to when we do eventually go hybrid. And I and I have concerns that the, the tone that I am hearing from the district is that they intend for everybody to be back in March. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I can certainly understand parents wanting an end yeah. to the, the in-home um, um, virtual teaching situation. Um, but if I were a parent and I had talked to, um, a a good friend of mine who is a parent of a, um, well, she's, I don't know if she's a freshman or a sophomore this year now, because we've started a year. So, but she's at, um, she is at stadium and her feeling was, look, my job 100% is to keep my kids safe. So Mm -hmm. if she doesn't learn geometry, if she has to repeat something, if she's deficient in something, I will deal with that later. Right mm-hmm. now, my job is to keep her alive. And mm-hmm. she is not going mm-hmm. to be in class with other kids, period. We're done. Forget it. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would think th- my position on that would not actually change yeah. until mm-hmm. such time as there's sufficient um, vaccination so that I could comfortably send my kid to school because there's not vaccinations right now for anyone under 18. So the kids can't get vaccinated yet. Mm -hmm. So I need to be assured that the parents of the other kids are vaccinated, that the parents Mm -hmm. of the other kids are are being appropriate in allowing um, their families to have contact with people who are not vaccinated and that the teachers are vaccinated because that's the only way I can be somewhat comfortable that my kid is going to go into an environment where they are not going to get sick you know, that would be my bottom line. And I, and I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, look, I am 58, so I'm not quite old enough to be in the, you know, get a vaccine now group. I have some underlying conditions, but they're not so serious that I get vaccinated now. No one can tell me when I'm going to get vaccinated. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not counting on March. Well, and, and to be, so I currently live with my parents. um, And my dad is a high, very high risk um, population, and he does qualify right now to get the vaccine. So he has been qualified for the last, I'm, I'm trying to remember, when did Inslee change it to 65 and older? I think it was like a week or two ago. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so every single day, 
all of the household, my mom and dad and me have been trying to find a vaccine appointment for him. And the earliest that we could find two days ago, we got finally got an appointment is March 24th is the <laughs> earliest that we can get my dad who is extremely high risk over 65. He is one B like, and, and so if, if ever, like, if there's anybody, any listeners out there that are wondering how the vaccine rollout is going and you see that your, um, your phase is in February, know that the people that are eligible in January aren't getting appointments. And now when I went to look, um, last night, there are no appointments available anywhere. So I checked all of the vaccine. Cause you also have to go to each individual location and yeah. look for their appointments there is nothing available through March. And I think we're well into April and that's just phased for January. So I just, I don't understand. I'm trying to wrap my head around the district implying that we're going to be going back in March. It makes no sense to me. Well, aren't they, you know, there's a, a couple of articles like rolled out about how, you know, they're going to start testing, you know, vaccinating, sorry, some of the older folks that are there, you know, which is like 10% of the teaching staff. But if what you're saying yeah. <laughs> but I haven't seen any concrete plan. Like, are you bringing, have you bought special vaccines that you're bringing in by the staff now that you have? No, they're, from what I understand, they're still using the same system that you just described. Yeah. And what and about so, the disproportional impact of students that are in schools like Lincoln that are high um, populations of color, um, low income that live in multi-generational homes? Right. Like, hasn't this, and this is what really, who grinds my gears. And you might be able to tell that, like, I am very heated about this topic right now because- I, I have, and we have sacrificed for almost the last year. We have asked students and families to sacrifice and, and make really hard choices in their household and figure it out because it's what's best for the community health. It is what's best mm -hmm. for our community. We are making this sacrifice. We have been doing this for almost a year now. And we're, you're going to tell me that two months before we will be able to reach vaccination, a couple months before we're gonna go back because why? I don't understand why go back right now when we haven't, nothing has changed. <laughs> like nothing has changed in the grand scheme of things for our students and our families in many ways. And and I just don't understand it. I, I think at best we'll be going back at the end of March. And by best, I don't mean best, but like, best case scenario of how they're, they have to roll it out. Like maybe the end of March, potentially after spring break. Cause remember that's still a thing. So the second week of April, so really April, May, June. So really like two months of school that we're like fighting for with the potential of people dying. Mm -hmm. I, I have a hard time understanding it. And I also have a hard time understanding it because teachers have not been consulted nor neither by the district or our union to be very clear. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like there's a lot we can dig on in on that, but also like if you're going to release a schedule, okay, then release the communication, do it with your communication. Like, like don't let everyone be surprised, get it the same day kind of situation mm -hmm. and release the comms with your union person and release your plan for when someone gets sick, because where's that plan, right? We've all been talking about that plan for ages. And so many districts have those plans across the country and many districts 
don't have those plans because they just keep pretending it's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to simultaneously release these different plans so you can say, look, and, and this is our vaccination plan and, and, and. So we can say, oh, there's all these like pieces of the puzzle that maybe we can jam together to make some kind of sense, but we're not getting those pieces. Mm-hmm. So how does how does this kind of thing normally work? And I say that normally, understanding that, you know, probably nothing about this is normal. But, um, you know, in, in the world I come from, from state government, the way you would roll out a significant work change, first you would say to your people, we're considering making a significant work change. And here's the reasons why. And we'd really like your input. So here's the committee that's working on this. If you've got ideas, bring them in. We're really interested and we're hoping to have a draft out to you by this date. You know, so you, you tell people you're working on it. You ask for their input, you take their input, then you push out a draft and say, thanks for all your input. Here's our draft plan for you to comment on, you know, so another opportunity for more meaningful comment, because now you know what people are thinking about. And then you make a decision. Yeah, we're going to do it. And you, you know, have a date in mind and a plan for it. But what happens in school world? um not that not that okay um so I think it's very closed door it's very hush hush it's very um like the people you want to be like I think of Hamilton like the room where it happens like you want to be in the room where it happens because it's like if you're not then you don't have a say and you have no idea what's happening or what's going on Mm -hmm. and I I think that that comes from like decades of the infantilization of teachers and like, Mm -hmm. we are not trusted as professionals and we're, and honestly, and and, you know, I, I have a, I feel a lot of passion and I've done a lot of research about the feminization of the teaching profession that happened and why that took place. And I oftentimes as somebody who is fairly new to teaching. I'm pretty new to teaching um, and coming from the nonprofit world. I oftentimes feel as though I'm gaslit and treated like I'm hysterical before I'm ever given the opportunity to react to anything that I am, that they, and by they, I mean the district. And honestly, now my union um, is treating me with kid gloves and treating me as though I'm hysterical or I'm going to react hysterically to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's how they do it. And that's why like, oh, we're going to bury this in a Friday night email and we're going to, we're not going to survey. We're not going to, we're just going to put it out there and then sure, everybody's going to react really big and they're just going to overreact and they're, but, but they'll calm down, mm-hmm. they'll calm down and then we'll just, it'll just happen and it'll just go, um, And I think that that's the purpose of it is that. Well, I would say organizationally, you know, in terms of, so I've done a lot of, um, you know, training over the years on leadership um, and, Mm. and organizationally and leadership wise, I mean, that is a leadership model, right? I mean, it's, it's not a healthy (laughs) one, but that is what you do is, is you wait and you, you make your plans in secret. You get them to the point where you want them. You push them out there. Everyone reacts badly which is normal because they don't know why are you doing this what are you doing this oh my god this is what you're doing who said Uh this was a good idea they then look unreasonable Mm -hmm. you claim the position of 
look, you know, we have some serious problems and I'm just trying mm-hmm. to make sure this works. Absolutely. And and I understand this is inconvenient for you. I understand that mm-hmm. teachers are going to be concerned because their schedules are disrupted, but really, isn't it about the children? Yeah. hundred percent. So, so suddenly I am the only one who really cares and the only one, mm-hmm. you know, and those teachers are just sort of nasty, money grubbing, not yep. very professional people yep. who always see the problems, right? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, you literally, I feel that you just explained my experience <laughs> as a teacher perfectly. <laughs> so, well, the sad part is that it doesn't have to be like that. Like we, the model you described at the beginning, Evelyn, there are districts who are doing that, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not like there's th- that isn't happening in some places or can happen. And that's the thing that I don't understand it can't, it's about the choices that you make in terms of your leadership. And I just, I mean, this week in Tacoma has been crazy, but I just cannot help but go back. Kevin Zamira brought that up in, in one of a, a conversation, um, membership chat. So if you're interested in becoming a member, you should become a member because we have some interesting conversations um, that spur on topics for our podcasts. And in that conversation, it's like, where is this overlap in terms of the leadership gaps we're seeing, or just some real problems that leaders across the city of Tacoma are, are struggling with wrestling with failing in. I don't know what word you want to use here or how generous to be in that sense. Mm-hmm. So what do you do about it? Yeah. Let's take a quick break and uh, try to address that maybe. <laughs> this is Doug Mackey, producer at Channel 253 and proud Alaska Airlines frequent flyer. Everything in our day-to-day life seems to involve more hassle these days. So it feels good that Alaska Airlines is making something easier. Alaska has made air travel virtually touch-free. Here's the rundown. When you check your bags at the airport, you won't have to touch the kiosk to print your bag tags. They'll print when you scan your boarding pass, or you can even print them from home. When you board your flight, they can scan your boarding pass from as much as six feet away. The lawyers want me to say that this might not work if the lighting in the terminal is low or if the print quality of your boarding pass isn't great. But still, kudos to Alaska for trying to maintain physical distance at every point of the trip. And don't forget, you can pre-order your meal from your phone or from your computer. You can even put your card on file in case you decide mid-flight to splurge on a local wine or beer. Get your drink without pulling out your card. Now that's the perfect blend of convenience, safety, and temptation. Those are the details that make me choose Alaska Airlines every time I fly domestically. When you're ready to travel, rest easy, because Alaska's got this. Skip the travel sites and visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for making travel smoother, and thank you for your support of Channel 253. So to add to this conversation, um, we wanted uh, another voice to just throw in a few ideas, and that is the lovely and gracious Kat Rodriguez. So she has a couple of hot takes for us. And so let's go ahead and listen to those and add those to all of this mix um, that we're talking about today. 
In secondary education, we are constantly moving about. We are moving around the room. We are moving from room to room. We have passing periods where we go to the bathroom and then the snack machine and then the cafeteria. And then we stop by our homie's locker and we touch everything in sight. And for me to have five minutes to get 15 desks and my entire room cleaned between every single class period, every single time is almost ridiculous. I barely have time to pee and get a glass of water and change my PowerPoint slides as it is. And now we have to worry about also sanitizing our classroom every 40 minutes. Like who is helping me do this? We need vaccinations. We need leadership. And then we can get back to school. I am so happy to get back to school. The pros of getting back to school high outweigh the cons, except that the pros need to include vaccines before we can even get close to it. I am so sad to be teaching from home. I miss my kids. I miss my students. I miss live in-person instruction. Computer virtual instruction is not necessarily the best, but it's a much better option than having a death toll. I am so excited to get back to school and to be in front of my children, but I want to do that safely. All right. So as we shift to being solutions oriented, maybe, I don't, I, or at least uh, putting a spin on looking, looking at this, trying to figure out what, where to go from here. Uh, I do want to put one more plug, as you all heard me say a little bit earlier, you should become a member of channel 253. Subscribe. It is only $4 a month. Uh, go to channel 253.com slash membership and sign up. You get awesome things like a newsletter. So we have a fantastic Slack channel where there's all kinds of conversations happening um, that are really, really interesting, really, really enriching. And I promise it is worth your time, even if you're trying to avoid other social media platforms. This one is worth having. Um, so, Evelyn, do you want to restate uh, your question right before we went to the break? <laughs> Where do we go from here, I think is what you said. Yeah, yeah. Right so, so, okay, here's what we have. We have a schedule that doesn't look like it really makes a lot of sense. We can't figure out why we would make a change to the schedule right now. <clears throat> Despite the fact that the schedule says in person, we're not going in person. We may not be going in person at all in the 2021 school year. Um, Nobody but, wants to say that. Nobody wants, thank you for saying that. I think yeah. people are afraid to say that. Well, I, I you know, so again, I, I'm not a parent. This can all be, you know, just purely sort of philosophical for me, but I'm fine with kids having a crapo year. I mean, it's mm -hmm. unfortunate, right? But it's better than everyone dying. So yep. that's kind of my bottom line. Yeah, you have a really crapo year. Look, I skipped fourth grade. I, as a result, I don't know my Roman numerals. I don't know <laughs> mythology. I don't know very much about my California history because those are things that are taught in fourth grade. I know a shitload about everything else, okay? So I'm fine. I have lived a full life <laughs> without really understanding Roman numerals. It's fine. If your kid misses something, they can make yeah. it up. And here's a concept. Even after you graduate from school, you can read books and learn things. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yes. it's fine. This whole, you know, oh, the kids are falling behind. But like, that's not a race. There's no yeah. race. You don't have to be too, Thank you. you know. Yes. You know, you don't, yeah. you just don't have to. You don't have to be to organic chemistry by the time you're 17. Yeah. There's yeah. no yeah. rules on this. And the colleges are already making accommodations. Yes. You know, so to the extent that you're freaked yes. out about, you know, what's going to happen with my you know, my beloved junior child not get into the college of their choice? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe not. But again, mm -hmm. they can't get anywhere if they're dead, right? So that's got to be our yes. bottom line. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yes. so this is your situation. Your union, I don't know why. 
looks to me like they kind of sold you out. I don't know why. I don't know if that's normal or what the hell is going on. But what do you do now? I think that's such a hard question because when you are systemically made to feel like you are powerless, you tend to just like not even know where to go, right? Like if you were told in so many ways that you don't matter, your opinion doesn't matter, you like what you think and feel doesn't matter. And I, um, I appreciate you bringing up the union because I am just as angry with the union as I am with the district right now. My union has not surveyed us and intentionally not sent out a survey to teachers to see what teachers think. And not only have they not surveyed, they have blocked people trying to send out surveys to to teachers in Tacoma because they, quote unquote, don't want to flam, fan the flames. And, mm-hmm. and my whole thing is I paid dues for a reason. You work yep. for me. How yes. in the world are you going to represent my interests and what I want if you don't know what I want because you don't want to ask because it's not going to be what you want to hear? Yeah. Le- union leadership right now wants to avoid a strike like the plague. And that's their number one priority. The interests of the teachers is not their number one priority right now. And I should say, based off of their actions, because their words, you can say whatever you want, but if your actions do not show me that you have my interest at heart, then that's what I'm going to believe. And I say the same thing about the district. You can't tell me that you care about teachers and you can't tell me that you respect me as a professional and then treat me this way. And Mm -hmm. I, teachers have been through a lot. And when I say through a lot, it is not having to adapt to new situations. It is not having to make it work for our students. It is not me trying to figure out how to make virtual teaching engaging because that's the reality of the situation that we're in. Right. That's been hard as a teacher, but worth it to me. Like that is, that is my joy. That is my passion is to figure out how to get the content and information that I have into the minds of my students. That's my job as a teacher in any way that I can do that. I want to do what's been hard is the district treating teachers as though they're just disposable Mm -hmm. and that they're just the pawns and they just, we are supposed to just go out and do what we're told and not being respected as professionals. And at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of frustration and a lot of anger because the district would just make unilateral decisions and tell us with hours to react. And I got to tell you, I have heard more teachers in the last 24 to 48 hours say that they are, they want to quit and not in a, not in a like, Oh, I just want to quit. No, like they have plans for next year. They are done being treated disrespectfully. And I got to say, I have never felt that. And yesterday I was seriously considering quitting because of how I felt. Here's something that I noticed too. And it really, if it coincides with this, I think it's just a um, pure coincidence. But at the Mm -hmm. corner of um, Proctor and, no, it's at the corner of Union and 6th. Uh, across the street from where the metronome coffee used to be a new billboard went up a few weeks ago I think from Clover Park school district but it might have been Bethel saying come work with us you know I mean other school districts are poaching yes actively poaching and um you know you don't really see that where you've got a healthy um work environment 
if you have a healthy work environment, everyone respects it and you sort of do your own thing. That is a sign that other school districts know that something is off in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And teachers are, I know several teachers that have actual plans that they're not coming back. And honestly, we haven't yet there's, talked there's about- There's a lot. I see it all the time. All I the see time. it. But we haven't <laughs> like yet talked about the executive order that Biden has now signed that said that you can quit your job if you are fearful of COVID-19 um, exposure at your workplace and still be eligible for unemployment. And you can still file for unemployment. And I think that there are many teachers that if they move forward with putting us back into classrooms too soon, that there are many teachers that are just going to quit and file for unemployment and figure it out for next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So we have to presume, I think, that the union does not see that as desirable, you know, that having wholesale quitting or wholesale people moving over to other um, school districts isn't in the union's best interest. How how then do you communicate? Who do you communicate with, and how you communicate with them that something's got to change? Well, and I think it's both the union and the district. It's, oh, I agree. Both their interests, right? Their interests to to change this in some shape or form. I, I completely but agree. I- yeah. But I think you're right about like, who do you communicate with? And that's one of the things, you know, Megan, you mentioned, it's really not hard to even know. And it feels so overwhelmed to even know to like send an email. But to me, it's like, you pepper, you pepper your union leadership. I mean, even if it feels like you're banging your head against a wall, right? I mean, that's part of it. Trying to make your voice heard, like you like you said, um, the district, right? Messaging school board, messaging pretty much anybody you can find and just sending that and, and use, you know, leveraging the relationships that you have with people at the district level, people in your building. I think there's something to be said about messaging your principals. Like, unfortunately teachers don't have, they have power, but there's not like an email from the community to the teacher. Isn't going to do anything. An email from the community to the principal that then you sent also to the district person, to Josh Garcia, to, 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 to whoever. Um, Side note, one thing we haven't said and I keep thinking about is the school board is still meeting virtually for all their meetings. Yes. So all of this and, and all the district meetings, yes. as far as I know, are all happening online still. So I'm like, if you all are still meeting online, and I don't imagine that everybody there has been vaccinated either, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if you all aren't willing to take the risk to meet in person for eight people or you know, I'm trying to think about the size of various meeting groups, um, how you how you how are you sending everybody back? some mysterious thing I just keep thinking about that in the back of my head as well um yeah but to your question who do you who do you contact I I asked I literally I have um a text thread with some teachers and I literally asked that question last night because I don't have Facebook um and as it stands right now the only way to have actual engagement and communication with the union is they've set it up to be through like the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's how they solicit feedback and conversation, which feels very unequitable to me. Um, we receive emails, but it's like a block, huge chunk information of emails. Um, and the Facebook group is 
all oh, the gatekeeping on that Facebook group is intense. It is, yeah. it, they monitor what can and cannot be posted to such an extreme. I've heard stories now of people whose posts were blocked on the Tacoma Union's Facebook page, now going to the state union's page and posting what they were going to post and kind of trying to air their grievances there. Um, and so I was like, well, how I want it to be public because I don't want it to be swept under the rug. I think that that's Mm -hmm. the feeling too, is like, it's easy to ignore an email Mm -hmm. if you don't want to deal with it. And so I think we're beyond, and I, and I have to say, this is not to building leadership. I think that principals, and I trust that my principals in my building, my building admin are doing the best that they can. Um, to do what's right in all of the situations. And they've kind of been put in this position of being like the gross mediators between, mm-hmm. you know, these two mm-hmm. entities that like, I, and so I just want to put, I just want to really put that out there. Um, but it's like, I just, I don't know. I don't feel as though like sending an email to the district m- makes any difference because they can ignore it if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it's like, I want to encourage parents and families and community members to reach out and make noise if you feel inclined to, because it's become abundantly clear that the district doesn't really put much value in teacher voice, but they put a significant value on families and parent voice. Well, and that's what I was thinking about go on to Facebook for those people that have it, post a comment, post a, you know, reflection, whatever challenge, et cetera. On Twitter, right? That's also a space where the district has a platform. I think there's t- there's a few parent groups, Tacoma parent groups, parent like teacher combo groups, speak out there. And I, you know, I understand the email also feels like, you know, a void, but to me, it's like, you got to use every single channel yeah, possible and every true. little bit of leverage mm-hmm. um, to make also, that happen. And if that's on repeat, I'm like, send it at 2 PM yeah. every day. Boom. There's a petition <laughs> going around right now mm-hmm. for um, that you can sign on change.org about um, forcing it to be that teachers have to get vaccinated before they're sent back into the classroom. Um, so I, there's, yeah, there's avenues definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, do you think this is something that should be decided district by district? Or do you think there should be some statewide standard on when in-person schools come back? I mean, we like to um, use this, I feel it's a fiction of you know local control of the schools. Um, and I think that allows then, it, it really um, minimizes your political clout because you're never, here's how you can be really effective. Um, You go and you talk to the person who holds the purse and that's the legislature and you lobby the legislature for something. But every time it's going to be about instructional issues, they'll turn you around and say, you need to take that back to your district because the district's in control of that. And well, there's, sorry. Well, I was going to say, even, even if it's something that isn't, that could be done on statewide, then they would, you know, move you over to Office of uh, Superintendent of Public Instruction to say, you know, that's where mm-hmm. the statewide standards are set. And I don't know if uh, he's been very involved in this. Well, and I think what this makes me think of what you're describing to makes me think about in what conditions 
is it appropriate for the larger entity to make the to make some of those decisions right mm-hmm. for the good of everybody and i think in our in our case here in abu dhabi i i see that we have a governing body that works with the health authorities in the country and in our particular emirate in our state that makes those decisions and so every emirate functions on their own like dubai's the wild west they do their own thing with their own governing body but then there's this overarching piece and so even though all of our schools here fall under these different categories there's still things that were directed because of the public good Mm -hmm. so like one example is we were trying to have the psat in person and like follow all the covid things da 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 but the leading body was like, no. And they said no to everybody. And they were just like, we're not going to take the risk in these in, because of this, you know, or you're going to have to do these measures to go back to school. And if you can, if your building can do this, this, and this, and this, and the checklist, then yes, you can open your doors physically. Right. Or, or they made the call because of uh, people traveling over the winter break. They made the call to say, we're not going back in person for two full weeks because that's a cycle of quarantine. And they just called it. And people mm-hmm. were all kinds of feelings and all kinds of mad from all the different types of schools but it's also like they just made the call and instead of like what you're describing you know the political the political element or like the capitalistic element or like the who school's going back and people wanting to look good you know of course because people are want their kids in school um and they prefer face-to-face but i think there's some hard decisions that have to be made and so i I wonder about i wonder about just the lack of that of making those hard decisions to say it's not going to happen. And to your point, right? It's a, it's a child's life and a family's life mm-hmm. at stake. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think that we haven't discussed how I feel like Inslee really sold us out um, when he changed the the phase the phases. Mm-hmm. I I still don't understand why that happened. I still don't understand why he would do that and why the state would change that. Um, I mean, I I do. I think. <laughs> I don't want the reasoning behind it to be the reason behind it, but that was really, really frustrating. And it's what opened the door for all of this. Um, Kindergarten would not be back in school right now if it wasn't for him changing those metrics. Mm -hmm. And And to be very clear, like Pierce County is still over 350 Um, cases per 100,000 for a 14 day period. That is well over the high risk threshold. Mm -hmm. Like I I just, it's nothing has changed in terms of the numbers that we're seeing the metrics changed based off of Mm -hmm. government officials changing them. And I want the public and community to understand that we have not seen a drastic dip in numbers of cases. It's actually Mm -hmm. in fact gone significantly up. And so the conversation of opening up, opening up schools is not because situation, the situation has become safer. It is because government officials changed what they deemed safe, quote unquote. I'm using quotes heavily here. (laughs) And I just, um, and so I think that that hasn't been talked about enough is like the government, the state's role in creating this false sense of security or like this narrative that things have changed and the situation has improved when in fact the situation is worse right now than it was in March when we closed schools. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that's where I think teachers are also banging their heads against the wall. It's like, you're telling us that it's safe to go back right now, but nothing has changed. And actually, if anything, the situation is worse mm-hmm. than it was. So why is it okay for, to send teachers back into the classroom right now, but not in September when the situation, the numbers are worse right now than they were in September? Right. Well, we're seeing variations that are even more contagious 
um, coming in. So, And that hospitalized children at a significantly higher rate. I mean, Pierce County, now there is documented evidence of the new strain, the UK strain in Pierce County. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just doesn't make any sense to me why we would send kids back into a classroom. I, I think, so here's something that I'll offer you as sort of an observation. I don't think the average person in Tacoma, parent or non-parent, um, has a whole lot of knowledge about how the, um, how the school district at the district administrative level works or how things are organized, but they do really care about the teachers that their kids like. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some bad teachers, but for, for the most part, really, by the significance, significant number, people love their teachers. Mm-hmm. They trust them. They trust them with their children. You have a lot of untapped political potential. If you, if you could figure out how to tap it, how to organize it, how to, and you would normally expect the union to do that. But if for some reason the union's not, you still have that political potential. So how do you activate it so that you get the teachers out there? You know, is it letters to the editor? Is it, you know, using what social media people have? Is it saying, you know, we're going to, you know, it's, you could do a, a, a socially distanced rally, but I can't think of any event right now that has enough attention on it to be worth the yeah. risk. Um, but people love their teachers. They don't love their school board. They love their teachers. There's, there's something there that could be used to help you, I think. But mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to unlock the mechanics, and especially when you, know, you, you have a union that you would normally expect to be able to um, you know, make the most out of that. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the perfect spot to actually assign homework since this is a IWL crossing. Megan? Make noise um, if you feel so inclined. Um, oh, I thought you were going to do your do your fudging. You're, oh, you always say the line. You always say the line. Oh my gosh, I'm Segway. so sorry. It's do right. your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. Everybody, I'm just super excited to just assign you some work to do. Um, make noise, right? If you feel so inclined, um, post on social media, email the the district leadership, um, support your teachers. Like, just tell them that you support them and you know that you're there for them because they need to hear it right now. It's, it's really hard and it feels um, like a really thankless job right now. So all of those things. Yeah, I agree. Sit down on a computer, um, have one tab open and email your um, Tacoma city council about the policing and police brutality, and then open another tab and go ahead and email every single person on the school board, even the ones that like supposedly don't represent your section of the district, and then open up another tab and send another email to um, a couple of your teachers just in the word of support. That's what I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Evelyn, any final thoughts? Or? Well, well, we'll post this out on both the Interchangeable White Ladies podcast platform and on the Crossing Division platform, and it'll go out on social media. So, you know, pick it up, listen to it, send it to people, and, you know, keep that ball rolling. Because I don't know what's going on. I don't know why the district thinks it's a good idea to even talk about going back. But I, but I think that it's a political thing rather mm-hmm. than a practical mm-hmm. thing. I don't think it's mm-hmm. actually going to happen, but maybe we have to just talk about it. Yeah. 
I think they're just testing the water. And from what I hear, the only people they're hearing from are angry parents that want their kids back in school. So if you oh, are sure not one true. of, yeah. And so if you're not one of those parents, uh, make sure that you're communicating that as well. All right. Should we try a synchronous bye? I don't know if we'll drive Doug crazy. <laughs> should we try it? One, two, three. Bye. bye. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.